the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You gotta see this. There becomes a certain necessity in these words, or at least it seems that way. That's how a YouTube video gets 90 million views in 24 hours. Or someone goes to see Oppenheimer on an IMAX screen. Or someone pays a huge sum of money for front row seats at a championship game. You gotta see this. That's why an ocean view room costs more or people, people plan vacations around a solar eclipse. You gotta see this. It is also why people travel to weddings or college graduation or a funeral or a baptismal service like we'll have at the 11 o'clock service today. There are people and events that have a certain necessity. You gotta see this. However, we know that because of a health or maybe weather issues, you might not be able to see something that you felt like you had to see. We know that you gotta see this is not absolutely absolute. Today you hear Philip say to Nathaniel, come and see. He is telling Nathaniel to see Jesus. And this is an absolutely absolute you gotta see this. Philip already believes Jesus as the promised Christ and Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's an absolute necessity then when, when he says to Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. You have to see Jesus as Jesus. Nathaniel then sees Jesus. Nathaniel believes in Jesus. What Nathaniel saw through the lens of his eyes and the image hitting his optic nerve could be described as a 30-year-old Jewish male appearing to him like other 30-year-old Jewish males of his time. However, by the grace of God, Nathaniel was now seeing Jesus as the Son of God and the King of Israel. Nathaniel is not only seen with his eyes, he is seeing Jesus with his heart. He is seeing Jesus in a much different way than those in the gospel who do not believe in Jesus. Instead, who will see Jesus and desire to kill him or just walk away as we see the crowds do in John 6. What Nathaniel sees is what you are to see with your heart so that you would see what life is, and that life is Jesus. Later in the Gospel of John, Thomas sees the resurrected Jesus and proclaims, my Lord and my God. Jesus then says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In this age, for all of you, you will not see with the lens of your physical eyes, Jesus of Nazareth. You will not see with your physical eyes the nail holes in his hands and his feet as risen from the dead. However, you do see Jesus by faith, and you will see him face to face. And it's also important to note, note that Jesus could be seen by those around him. Christianity, as opposed to all other religions, takes place in real time and real space, and God's wondrous work of salvation takes place in a most visible way. 
Ours is not a religion of blind faith. No, it is a faith grounded in the reality of God who acted in real time and in real space in places that you could see. Samuel heard in our Old Testament lesson with his physical ears the voice of God. Moses saw the burning bush. Ours is a faith grounded in the one who made a visible creation, who made a visible human race, who created a visible people of Israel from whom he would be visibly born of the Virgin Mary and visibly die and rise. Going back to Genesis chapter 1, God made his creation throughout the chapter. You see that God sees his creation and says that it is good upon seeing it. The totality of the creation is very good. Adam and Eve, created in the image of God, would see the absolute goodness of the creation for they were in the absolute image of God at that time. They would see nothing as evil. They would see only good all around them. Tragically, they chose to sin and their eyes would no longer see things the way God would see then. And now there would be a time when their eyes would close and they would see death. God is a God of grace. All around you is a world of death. You know, and many of you know, that your eyesight is failing. Perhaps you've had eye problems, but the rest of your body is failing. This is a sign, a visible sign, of the curse of the fall, the curse of sin. But God is a God of grace and mercy, and he promised a savior to Adam and Eve, and God promised that in the resurrection, true sight of God would be restored. Remember Job's confession. This is in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Christ would be born. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. The story of the scriptures is that God, who saw the whole creation, that it was good, will one day restore his creation entirely, and the redeemed will be perfectly restored with perfect eyesight so that they will see their perfect creation and their perfect Redeemer forever and ever. And that Redeemer is Jesus. John tells us at the end of his prologue, no one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. In seeing Jesus, you are seeing the God who created the heavens and the earth and the God who will bring about a restored creation. There is no doubt as you read the Gospel of John that the Jesus that Nathaniel first sees with his eyes is God in the flesh. Nathaniel will then see, and this is important as you go throughout the rest of the Gospel of John, with his eyes, sights far greater than something you could see on YouTube or Instagram or in a giant IMAX scene. What Nathaniel will see with his visible eyes will be the miraculous deeds of God in the flesh. Nathaniel will see a lame man walk. No one in the Old Testament saw such a miracle. Now Jesus heals the lame. In the Old Testament, no one walks in water. Jesus does, and Nathaniel sees that. In the Old Testament, no one ever heals a man born blind. Jesus does. In the Old Testament, there are some who are raised from the dead. 
However, no one raises the rotting corpse of a dead man in a tomb four days old. Now in Lazarus, Jesus raises even a rotting corpse and Nathanael sees that he is not rotted anymore, but rather he was restored to life indeed. But listen to the promise at the end of our gospel lesson. Jesus says this to Nathanael, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In the Old Testament, there's the story of Jacob's ladder. He saw a ladder to heaven and angels ascending and descending to God on that ladder. Now, Jesus places himself as the location for the angels. Jesus himself is the meeting place of heaven and earth. He is the creator bringing about a new creation. And he does that by visibly dying for the sins of the world. Jesus, the creator of the world, dies visibly for the sins of the world. You could see blood running down his face from the crown of thorns. You could see nails in his hands and in his feet. You could see his chest heaving as he took every painful breath until he allowed himself to die. This sacrifice of Jesus is just as visible as the Old Testament sacrifices for sin on the altar that point ahead to Jesus. Jesus visibly dies for your sins and mine and he rises visibly. After his resurrection, you could see him and his wounds in his hands and his feet and in his side. You could see and touch Jesus. Nathaniel would see the risen Christ, and know that the Lord of all creation had finished his work of atonement, now was risen to give life in his name. Today, this same Jesus is present with you. You are in the presence of the angels and before the Lord of all. Jesus, our crucified, risen, and exalted Lord is with us, and we are with him. You do not at this time see him with your physical eyes, but one day you indeed will. The world might see, you gotta see this in terms of some video or some sight or, some, or something going on, some game, whatever. But there is one necessity to see and one glorious necessity to see, and that is the Savior. And one day the redeemed will see him on his throne and you will be part of that. And you will see the multitude of the redeemed and you will see the glorious new Jerusalem. The splendor and the glory of what you will see is beyond comparison. Right now, look around in this sanctuary and you will see fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. They look very human to you. But they're not mere mortals, to quote C.S. Lewis. They are the baptized and redeemed saints of God. They and you will live forever. One day, they and you will be given glorious bodies, and you will have perfect vision, and all around you will see beauty and glory beyond your imagination. Unlike now, when you can look at a beautiful scene and eventually your body will tire, and you're, even those pretty thing, you fall asleep if, it's, if you stay up long enough, or you want to move on because your watch tells you that it's time to move on. In eternity, before the throne of the Lamb, you will never tire. You will see God as God wants you to see him, and you will see him forever. Right now, though, you see the miraculous. In the 11 o'clock service, you will see God bringing salvation to little Sylvia. Right now, 
you see the holy sacrament and you will taste the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right now you have a glimpse of eternal glory, the glory that you'll see forever and ever. Meanwhile, here in this age, you also see those who do not know Jesus. You also see fellow Christians who are downtrodden by life and its woes. You see those who are weak and are weary. To them, you who see Jesus and his glory, his forgiveness, his joy, can tell them, along with Philip, come and see, come and see Jesus, your merciful and gracious Lord. Amen.